Today's passage is from Galatians 2, 15 through 21. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Let me pray. God, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray that as we hear this word, um, as we hear this sermon, Lord, that you would uh, really open up our hearts and our ears, that you would help us to really focus and understand what you have to say, God. This word is not easy. This word is difficult to hear for some. But Lord, I pray that we would open our hearts and accept it readily. And Lord, I pray that the words that I speak would not be my own, but they would be yours. That even in my imperfection, that your word would be perfect and that we would be able to hear it well. And so we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. What does it mean to be a Christian? This question can sound really simple, but I think the more you think about it, it can be kind of difficult. Because I'd argue that for many of us here, we would say that we're Christians. And if I come up to you and ask you, not all of us would have the same answer. In fact, I would say that many of us would have different answers on what it means to be a Christian. And for some of us, we would say it's, it's to live for Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. And yeah, I think for some of us, we would say, no, no I, I think to live, I, I think to be a Christian means to be really repentant over your sins. And yeah, I think for others, they would say, no, to be a Christian, it means to live a godly and holy life. Now, all of those things are involved. But what is the true essence of being a Christian? Paul here, he speaks about this so firmly and I think it's so important for us to understand this one thing, that the essence of Christianity is this, that you are a sinner and yet you are justified. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you suddenly stop being bad. It doesn't mean that you have some lesser capacity of sin. And it doesn't mean that you're going to experience less bad things in your life. What it simply means is that you are viewed in a different way. You know, a few years ago, I remember reading about this incident where a student ended up hitting another student and he knocked him out cold. And there were witnesses because it was in the middle of the hallway during school hours, like all this stuff, and, and one of the teachers runs up to him, grabs him by the arm, 
He goes, what are you doing? Don't you know that you're going to be expelled now? And the student, all he does is point down. And the teacher looks at the student who got knocked out and realizes that there was a gun in his pocket. To justify something doesn't mean you change what happened. It means you change the view of it. The student hit the other student. It happened. You can't change that. He didn't change his behavior. The view of his behavior changed. You see, we are sinners. We are continuing to sin. And in the future, we will continue to sin. That doesn't change for us. When we become Christians, that doesn't change for us. What changes is how God views us, you see. That is what justification is. In verse 16, Paul, he is speaking to the church, and he is specifically speaking to Peter here. When he says, a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. What Paul is telling Peter is the very essence of Christianity, that you are justified through your faith in Jesus Christ. We are sinners. Being a Christian doesn't change that. Life doesn't get easier as we become more and more Christian. You will experience the same temptations and you'll go through the same trials. Being a Christian doesn't make you immune to this world. Justification is not that our sins didn't happen. It's that God views us differently, church. This is so important. This is why I'm repeating this again and again. We are justified in his sight. Now, why is Paul talking about this? And why is he specifically talking to Peter about this? You see, there were people who called themselves Judaizers. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. And what they believed is that you needed to believe in Jesus and follow the law in order to be saved. And so what that meant for them was that there was only one particular group that could be saved, and those were the Jews. Because back then, you were either a Jew or you were a Gentile. And the Gentiles, they didn't follow the same rules as the Jews. They weren't circumcised like the Jews. And they didn't eat the same foods as the Jewish people. And the law said that when you mixed with those who were unclean, that when you ate with those who were sinners, when you ate with those who didn't follow those same rules, then you would be unclean as well. Then you would become a sinner. And so Peter, you see, he knows the truth of the gospel. We talked last week about how Paul confronted them and how they were on the same page with the gospel. And so Peter, he proclaimed it. He said that was true. And yet, what we also read is that Peter can't help but be influenced by what the Judaizers were saying. And so in verse 12, it says that Peter became afraid and he stopped eating with the Gentiles. And so Paul, he writes all of this because he is furious, because he realized that Peter became a hypocrite. You know, one of the most common arguments 
that I hear is that the biggest deterrent to Christianity are other Christians who say one thing with their mouths and live completely differently with their lives. You know, polls today show that a majority of Americans, a majority of them, identify themselves as Christians. And yet those same polls will show that there is little to no difference in moral values or lifestyle choices for those inside the church versus those outside the church. In fact, you see absolutely no difference between them. These polls show that hypocrisy, as much as it was alive back then, is just as alive today. And it's why Jesus, he speaks so passionately about this. In Matthew 15, he is looking at the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. And he says, look, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. That you are hypocrites that honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Church, if you are a Christian and you are living this way, it is dangerous because you are not only leading yourself astray, you are leading others astray as well. And it can sound hopeless right now. And I know that for many of you, you're thinking, man, how is this even possible to live right? Because if Peter was a hypocrite, then who am I? But I want us to understand what the true definition of a hypocrite is. It's not about being perfect. For us, we all have certain principles and values that we believe are right. There are certain principles and values that we see in the Bible and that we are trying to live towards. And many of us would admit that we have not fully lived them out. That does not make you a hypocrite. Trying to live live a godly life and at times failing does not make you a hypocrite. A hypocrite is someone who tries to give the impression that they believe one thing and yet in actuality, they don't believe it. A hypocrite is someone who says they are passionate about one thing and yet they, in their hearts, are not passionate at all. The Bible, church, never commands us to be perfect. It never expects perfection. What the Bible says is to be honest and that when you are a Christian, yes, you will fail, but you will also grow to be more Christ-like. You know, a skeptic, they, he, a skeptic once came up to C.S. Lewis and he asked this question. If Christianity is true, then why do I see this Christian I work with getting so angry? Lewis responded this way. The question isn't if the man still gets angry, but rather, is he less angry than he used to be? The criteria for being a Christian isn't perfection. Don't put that on yourself. It's where were you and where are you now? See, church, Paul, he had to be so clear with Peter because Peter understood what it meant to be a Christian, 
but he also didn't understand what it meant to be a Christian. And I know that kind of sounds strange, right? But I think it's a symptom that many of us in the church today have as well. Because when you don't have a clear definition and understanding of what it means to be a Christian, then you will be led astray. And you will believe things that you should not believe. You know, when I was younger, I struggled so much with believing in Christianity. I fought against it so much. And one of the reasons why was because I would see the history of Christianity and I would become so disillusioned. I would read about the Crusades where the church would systematically kill Muslims in the name of God. I would read about Northern Ireland where Catholics and Protestants would fight against each other for decades and kill and murder and do everything to each other in the name of God. And so when I read these things, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And I said, look, if this is what you're about, God, if this is what Jesus Christ is, if this is what Christianity is, then I want nothing to do with it. But as I began developing my understanding of who God is, I realized that the heart of Christianity is this man who is also God dying on a cross. It's about this man who is God who is praying for his enemies. Who, when his followers try to bring out their swords and, and attack others, he's, he told them to put away their swords. And as I began to understand more of the character of Jesus Christ and the true essence of Christianity, it became so obvious and so clear to me that those who are killing others in the name of Christ actually have no idea what Christianity is actually about. Because church, if they did, they would understand this definition, that they are sinners who have been saved by Jesus. That they are still sinners, but that they have been justified through the blood and the work of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know who Jesus is, then you are going to be swayed by every ideology. You're going to be swayed by every cult that comes along. You're going to be swayed by every person who claims they are God because you're not going to understand the true essence of Christianity. And that's why Paul is so adamant about telling the church this truth. Because if you're able to hold on to the essence of Christianity, then you will stand firm in all circumstances. So in this passage, Paul is saying this is what the true essence of Christianity is. You are a sinner and that does not change. You have simply been justified in the view of God. And this seems like almost a paradox when you think about it. Because what Paul is saying is that you are 100% a sinner, and yet you are 100% justified by God. And Paul, he understands how difficult this can seem. And that's why he says in verse 17, he answers some of his critics here. 
He says, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? What Paul is saying is if we're completely justified, if we are completely and absolutely justified, and yet if we are completely and absolutely sinners, does that mean Jesus is okay with sin? Does it mean that Jesus, maybe he leans more towards one side or more towards the other? Is Jesus wanting us to be more justified? Is he wanting us to be more sin? Well, what is that? How do we wrap our heads around those two things? Paul, you see, is answering a question that has plagued the church since the very beginning. Because for us as Christians, what we do today is that we either put too much emphasis on being a sinner or we put too much emphasis on being justified. We go all one way or we go all in the other and you have what Paul is saying, we are completely both. Let me explain what I mean. Most religions, they have an either or type of theology. Either you are completely a moral failure or other religions will say you are justified completely by God. But Christianity, it says that you are a justified sinner. But what many Christians do is think that they're more sinner than justified or they're more justified than sinner. Now, when Christians believe they're more sinner than justified, they turn to something called legalism. And legalism basically says this, that the holiness of God is real but that the grace of God is a little bit weaker. It's people who find, who believe that finding God is through commands and the laws, and that Christianity is something that you just do. They'll say that Christianity is too easy, and that being saved by grace is unfair. Look, I got saved, and I worked my entire life for God. I did all of these different things for the Lord. And yet you're telling me that I'm going to the same place as a serial killer who on their deathbed got, gets saved and believes in Jesus Christ? You're telling me that me and him are going to the same place? That is unfair. That's legalist. And yet on the other side, are Christians who believe that they are more justified than sinner. So they turn to something called antinomialism. This is just a fancy way of saying, look, God accepts me because he is love, so the grace that I receive doesn't cost anything. They'll say that as long as you believe that Jesus Christ died for you, then you are free to live the life that you want to live. Just, you know, help out when you can help out. Just try to live a good life because guess what? You're, you're going to go to heaven anyways. So just, you know, live your best life now, right? Just do, just do whatever you want to do now because your ticket's already stamped. Your barcode already got scanned. You're good. And yet both of these viewpoints, Paul says, is wrong. And both destroy the essence of Christianity. 
because you are not only justified and you are not only a sinner. You are a justified sinner. So in verse 21, he says this, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Church, I want us to pause just for a second and examine our own hearts right now. And the reason I want you to examine your heart is because I want to ask this question. Do you truly believe that you are a justified sinner? That only through Jesus Christ can you receive eternal life? Throughout the book of Galatians, we're only on chapter 2, but we've talked about this again and again. Paul, he brings this up so many times. And we're going to continue to read in the book of Galatians. He keeps on bringing up the simple truth. Why? Because if you believe this, the implications are astronomical. Because if you really believe this, then the results are so big. Christ is either everything or he's nothing to you. It can't be somewhere in between. If your good works added anything to your salvation, then Paul is saying that Christ died for nothing. And if you believe Christ died for nothing, then of course you're not going to live for him. But if you truly believe that it is only through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that you are saved, then he will be everything to you. You cannot help but revolve your life around him. Every breath that you take will be his. And your career, your family, and your money that's a given, of course, that belongs to the Lord. Look, imagine one night, your house, your house begins to burn down. A fire begins and, and everything begins to just burn there. And, and seriously, but, but you were strong enough and you, and you were diligent enough where you were able to wake up your entire family and everyone was able to escape. And so your whole family is looking outside, seeing your house burning. But as you are looking at your house, I, I turn to you and I say, look, I, let me show you how much I love you. And I run into the house and I die. How ridiculous would that be? How absolutely pointless would my death be? I would have died for nothing. But imagine if your child was still in that house. And I said, look, I want to show you how much I love you. I want to show you how much I love your family. And so even though I knew, I knew that I was going to die, even though I knew that the house was too hot already, I went in. I saved your child, but I died in the flames. My death wouldn't be pointless 
In fact, it would mean everything. Church, this is what Paul is trying to say here. You either believe salvation is through Jesus Christ or you believe it's through something else. And you see, church, whatever it is, that truth is going to define the rest of your life. You will either revolve your life around God or you won't. It's either or. You're either following after Christ or you aren't. It's either or. It's everything or it's nothing. It's why Paul says in verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What does it mean to be crucified with Christ? It means that you understand the depths of your sin. That there is nothing you could have done to save yourself. And it was only through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ that you are saved. A Christian is a person who has died with Christ, whose stiff neck has been broken, whose heavy yoke has been changed, whose stony heart has been crushed, whose pride has been slain, who now lives with Christ. It means that even in your most difficult moments, church, when you can only see and feel darkness, that you draw closer to the heart of the gospel instead of running away from it. Look, so many of us, I know, when things get difficult, and when we see atrocities and hardships out in the world, it is so much easier for us to turn away from God and into ourselves. Just look out into this world, and you will see death after death, shooting after shooting. And you will see at every turn, it seems like the wicked have triumphed and the righteous are being persecuted. But the answer is to never turn away from God, is to turn towards him. During the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King Jr., he looked out at the racist South and he sees to a large degree so many of these white Christian believers who are killing and oppressing his people. And so what does he do? He doesn't become less religious. He doesn't turn away from God. He doesn't stop praying. He doesn't stop going to church. He says, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. He quotes Amos 5. He turns his eyes towards the Lord because he knows it's only in that thing will his heart be secure. He knows, he knows only in that will he be able to walk straight. He holds on to the essence of Christianity because he knows everything else will fall apart. It is so much easier to go towards violence. It is so much easier to go towards the world. It's so much easier to turn into ourselves. But God is asking us 
Paul is saying here, look to the Lord. Look at the essence of Christianity. Understand that, yes, you are a sinner. That there is nothing that you could do to go to heaven. That there is no work, that there is no behavior, that there is nothing that you could possibly do to get there. And yet what Jesus said is he died for your sins. And so now you are completely and absolutely justified in the sight of God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. MLK Jr., he knew this. And that's why he could fight, even in the face of perseverance. Uh, even in the face of persecution, he persevered. Even in the hardest times, he endured. And church, that is your story as well. Because this year can bring out the most difficult things in your life. This year can be hardship and confrontation and persecution, but none of that is going to matter. If you hold on to this truth, you will endure. You will persevere. You will have hope. You will have joy. The flesh is weak, but our God is strong. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That I is still there. That I that I was born with, that I that still sins, that I that sees this world is still there. You are still going to fight against sin your entire life. But it's a radically different I. It is no longer an I that craves self-reliance. It is no longer an I that craves self-confidence only in myself. It is no longer an I that craves self-direction. It's an eye that turns away from itself and that trusts completely in the Lord. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Church, what does it mean to be a sinner? What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be justified? Look, church, the essence of Christianity is so simple and yet is going to determine the rest of your life. This one simple truth, if you truly, completely believe it, will determine the course until you get to heaven. It means that you are a sinner and yet you are completely and absolutely justified in the sight of God. He has saved your life, church. He has saved my life. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray.